Welcome. Glad you are all here. The last Sunday of the year. Uh, the faithful showed up. It's good to see you. Uh, my name is Jonathan. If we haven't met, I'm one of the pastors here. And I'm excited to um, walk through um, a sermon that I, I, I preached about a year ago that I felt like the Lord saying we should um, run this one back again. And uh, I'm only going to do half of it, so you're welcome. Um, it'll be shorter than the first time. But if you've got your Bible, turn to Psalm 73. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's page 485, Psalm 73. And this is a psalm, um, a psalm of Asaph where he, he basically describes what happens in his life when he gets his eyes off of God. What happens when your eyes move off of God to other things, and then what happens when your eyes come back to the Lord, you focus and, and um, the promise that God has as you return your attention to him. And it, it just felt like the Lord was saying, like, um, he's done so much in, in our body this year that it would be easy for us to kind of just let our attention wander a little bit, just wander just a little bit. And, and I think he just wants to tell us at the end of this year that he desperately wants our attention on him. And that as our attention falls on him, there's so many promises attached to what he will do for us as we, as we do that. So I want to end the year basically talking about that and just saying, like, wherever you're at in life, if you're in the place where Asaph is that we read about or you've had a really hard year this year, God's just saying, hey, return your gaze back to me and I'll meet you. I'll be there, right? I'll help you. I'll return to you. And you may have had a great year this year. You're like, man, 2019 was the best year ever. And I just want to say this morning, like, be careful that your gaze doesn't fall off of God and turn to something else. So Psalm 73, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. You see here, he's like, he's like here's what happened. I almost slipped. Why? Because I saw, my, my gaze went off of God and I started to watch other people. I was envious of the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they had no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind which is interesting, when you get your eyes off of God, you start to envy other people, but you also, you stop seeing reality, right? It wasn't actually that they had no pangs, it wasn't actually that they had no disease, but it, from his perspective, it seemed like the unrighteous were prospering and the righteous were suffering. Verse six says, therefore pride is their necklace, violence covers them as a garment, their eyes swell out through fatness, their hearts overflow with follies, they scoff and speak with malice, loftily they threaten oppression, they set their mouths against the heavens and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore his people turn back to them and find no fault in them, and they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the most high? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease, they increase in riches." All in vain I have kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. So this is where Asaph starts his pity party, right? They prosper. Everything they do is going right. And look at what's happening to me. I've kept my heart clean. I've done the right thing. I've gone to church. I've done the Sunday school thing. I did everything God's asked me to do. And it feels like the unrighteous, the wicked are prospering. For all the day long I've been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. 
listen to this, but there's a but. If you remember Annie's sermon a couple weeks ago, there's a, luckily there's a but in the middle of this. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. What? what? Until I went into the sanctuary of God, and then I discerned their end. Right? It's like the world seems like it's tumbling around, it's confusing, until I got into God's presence and I discerned. Truly you set them in slippery places, you make them fall to ruin, how they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you you will receive me to glory. Listen, this is the realization. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. So we see this process working out in Asaph's heart. And it's fascinating that Asaph's a worship leader. He's like the chief worship leader in the temple. And so if it can happen to him, it can happen to any of us, right? Like every day he's in the temple leading worship. And even there, he's getting his eyes off of God. And when you get your eyes off of God, um, things don't go very well. I love this quote by Mary Oliver, right? Attention is the beginning of devotion. Attention is the beginning of, of devotion. And it's interesting that uh, when we talk about attention, we use the word pay, right? Attention is something you possess and something you, you pay, basically, to give it to something else. There's like an exchange. There's a cost of what you give your attention to, what you, what you pay with your attention. And this is a really uh, sobering thing, right? Because if attention is the beginning of devotion, whatever you pay attention to is what you'll become devoted to. So if you think about your life, what are you paying the most attention to? It's what you are becoming. Whether you choose to or not, really consciously, it's what you're becoming devoted to. And I think you would say, right, like the thing that gets our attention most these days is our devices, technology, media, like, like we're devoted to those things, and it's shaping us in, in ways that, that are really important for us to recognize. So, so this, this week, I just really was praying for the Lord to like show me again what it looks like to pay attention to him. And so, so right, if we're going to live with Jesus, if we're going to walk with him, we have to pay attention to our attention, <laughs> right? What are we paying attention to? He said this, he said, if I'd spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply until I entered the sanctuary of God, until I saw him, until I changed my focus onto him. It it all starts with what we're paying attention to. Where do you spend your time? Who are you listening to? What are you gathering and, and paying attention to? And um, I, I think it's, it's really fascinating to me, like how many times we search for answers in all sorts of places before we go to the sanctuary, before we go to God, right? We're like, okay, Google, all right, Alexa, what do you have to say? Anybody have Alexa? Our kids are obsessed with Alexa, by the way. 
It's driving me crazy. It's just like, okay, Alexa, okay, Alexa. It's like all, all these things all the time. But it's like, it's interesting where we go for our information. Where do we go to find answers? And he's saying, he's just making it so clear here, everywhere I went, other than God, I came up with despair and disillusionment and distraction and dis- all these, all the D words, right? <laughs> like, that's, that's all I got until I went to the sanctuary of God. And here's the beautiful thing. The sanctuary of God, in our terms, is not just here. It can be here. You came this morning to the sanctuary, which is the people of God, wherever they gather. But the great thing is you also are a temple of the Holy Spirit. That means you can enter the sanctuary of God wherever you are if you would just call on his name. If you just pay attention to him in that moment, in your car, taking a walk, whatever you're doing, if you just open yourself up, you actually become a sanctuary and God can speak. William James said this, he said, we must reflect that when we reach the end of our days, our life experience will be equal to what we have paid attention to, whether by choice or by default. That is a sobering idea, that if our life is really the sum of what we've given our attention to, what will the sum of our life be? And I think you could say about our generation that we're paying attention to things. We're literally, we're paying attention to things that cannot bear the weight of human existence, of our largest questions, of our deepest longings, which is why there has been such a despair that has settled over humanity in our generation. Suicide, depression, anxiety, because we're paying our attention to things that cannot bear our existential weight. The weight of existence. We're alive. We don't know why we're alive. We don't know how we got here. We don't know what to do with everything that's happening around us and inside of us. Who do we give that to? And we're giving it to things um, that can't bear the weight. But at the end of our life, that will be it. What did you pay attention to? Uh, Lawrence Kushner said this, the burning bush was not the miracle. It was the test to find out whether or not Moses could pay attention to something for more than a few minutes. When Moses did, God spoke. The trick is to pay attention to what is going on around you long enough to behold the miracle without falling asleep. There's another world right here within this one whenever we pay attention. And what we discovered as a church in this last year is how much of God is available to us when we pay attention to him, when we give him time and attention, radical, miraculous, supernatural things happen consistently. When we just give him attention, we give him space, when we pause long enough to behold the miracle. And guess what? It's happening every day. Every human being you come into contact every day is actually a miracle of God. Their existence is miraculous. Like, there's so many reasons why it could have been or should have been otherwise, but we're here. We exist. We're on this planet. We're in this place, and we're together. And so we actually want to pause and behold the miracle without falling asleep. And we want to recognize the world that is right within this one. And the legacy of Christians, of people who call Jesus Lord across history, are those who live in the world and say that this world, the physical world, isn't all there is. But there's actually a spiritual world that has imbibed this one. And so when you pay attention, what it leads to is it leads to awareness, right? He says this, surely you place them on slippery ground, you cast them down to ruin, how suddenly they're destroyed. 
all of a sudden, Asaph, he, he gets an awareness of what's actually happening. He gets past the surface of how it looks like everything's going wrong, nothing will ever change, the unrighteous are prospering. And guys, like we live in a time, if all you do is read the news, what does it look like? It looks like the wicked prosper, things are always getting worse, nothing will ever change. And what we do as believers is we have to zoom out and see the grand trajectory of history. We have to see God's actions. Um, one of my favorite books of all time, is a, I'd highly recommend it, it's a, it's, a little bit, it's a little bit dense, but it's called The Patient Ferment of the Early Church. And he says this, he says, you know how the church won over the Roman Empire? It was through patience. Like, they were in it for the long haul. They were in it for the long game. And most of the people who sowed in faithfully, they didn't see the Roman Empire topple. They laid the bricks at the bottom of it. But it took 300 years, right? Like, 300 years. Are we willing <laughs> to build our lives into something that might take 300 years? I know that stuff, for, especially for a generation like a now. <laughs> we want everything now, microwave. We want, like, this week, we're like, I was like, Annie, our internet's not fast enough. Right? It's funny that I remember the dial-up days where like, and I just stare at the screen, and there's like, boop, boop. oh, another phone number. Remember the, like, the list of phone numbers would drop down? I was like, let's try that one. And I sit there. It's like, this is the dumbest thing. Like, I thought it was like a practical joke because the internet never worked. I was like, this is so dumb. But it's like, we want everything, everything's getting faster, and yet the work of God many times is slow. We've got to zoom out and we've got to pay attention, which will lead to an awareness of what's actually happening, not just what we can see, which leads to an acknowledgement. He says, yet I am always with, with you, which means God is always with him. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. Afterward, you will take me into glory. It leads to an acknowledgement of God's faithfulness, of God's presence, and this is really key, especially when it seems like God is absent. So, so what happens is God seems absent, so what do we do? We push away. We don't go to the sanctuary. We don't get in the word. We don't meet with people who have encouragement. We just kind of push away. And then what happens? God seems more absent. People seem more absent rather than like pushing in, drawing close. Because when you do, it leads to this acknowledgement that actually God seemed absent, but he's been here the whole time. Even in the dark days, even in the places I thought he was nowhere near, he has held me by my right hand. He's guided me with his counsel. Which leads to appreciation. Asaph says this, he says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. What this leads to is an acknowledgement like, that leads to an appreciation of, of who God is. And I, and I think our danger is that we get our eyes off of God and we stop appreciating actually how much he has done for us and what he's doing in these moments. And that at the end of the day, if God doesn't exist, if there isn't a spiritual world here, if, if this is all just a ruse, right? Paul says, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die, right? Like there's like, but, but that's not what we believe, Right? We don't believe that actually death is the end of existence. We believe that death is the door to our true existence forever with him where we'll actually get new bodies 
And we'll be with him forever. Bodies that don't decay, they don't get diseases, their hearts don't get broken. People live in peace and unity with God and each other forever. That's what we believe. So it leads to this appreciation of who God is and what he's been doing in our lives, which ultimately leads to adoration. It leads to worship. And what worship leads to is actually this cycle starting over again. Adoration then leads to more attention on God, right? Which leads to more acknowledgement, leads to more awareness, more appreciation, more adoration, which leads to more attention. It's this ever-increasing cycle that God intends for you to be swept into until in the last days he becomes all in all. That's what Jesus wants to be. He actually wants to be all in all, and it starts with just even the tiniest bit of attention. Just like five minutes in the morning of paying attention to Jesus can, it can like revolutionize your life. Because here's what I believe. As he meets you in that five minutes, next thing you know, five minutes won't be enough. It'll be 10 minutes. 10 minutes won't be enough. It'll be 30 minutes. 30 minutes won't be enough, and you'll realize you can't just do it in a chunk of time. It's actually an awareness God wants you to have every second of every day of who he is, what he's doing around you as your life becomes worship. He says, but as for me, it's good to be near God. I've made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. So this is the cycle. We pay attention, which leads to awareness. Our awareness leads to an acknowledgement. Our acknowledgement leads to appreciation. Our appreciation leads to adoration, which adoration is, that's like the, um, the beginning of worship, right? So it says clearly, how do you approach God? You approach God um, with thanksgiving and praise. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. We enter his courts with praise. This, this is like ancient wisdom that just works over and over. This is how God has declared he should be worshiped. You should enter into his presence with thanksgiving and praise for who he is. And as you do, that worship will start coming out of your heart. Got to work in a little Beekner. Any Beekner fans in here? Anybody? Um, that's not the uh, the Muppets guy. Who's the Beaker? <laughs> You're like, oh, I never knew Beaker was that profound. Me, 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 me. Um, <laughs> I love this. It, it seems to me almost before the Bible says anything else, it is saying that that how important it is to be alive and to pay attention to being alive. Pay attention to each other. Pay attention to God as he moves and speaks. Pay attention to where life or God has tried to take you. I'm going to read that again. It seems to me almost before the Bible says anything else, it's saying that how important it is to be alive. Do you know how important it is to be alive? That you're here right now and you're drawing breath still when it could have been otherwise. And I realize some of you, 2019 has been a year of loss. Where there's someone who who isn't here right now and it's devastating. But it's important for you to be here. For you to be alive right now. For you not to give up because of loss or pain or grief. It's important for you to pay attention to the miracle of life inside of you. And it's interesting, after, after paying attention to that, is to pay attention to where you're at. Pay attention to each other. How important it is, the person next to you, the person in the row in front of you, the person that you're going to go see after this is over, to pay attention to them. 
to pay attention to God as he moves and speaks. Pay attention to where life or God has tried to take you. So at the end of this year, 2019, I just want to encourage you, for the last few days of this year, pay attention to your life. Sit down, get a piece of paper, and just work through, God, what have you done in this life? What's been the ups and the downs? What have been the losses and the gains? Where have you been in the midst of all of it? Because what you'll do is you'll start to see the thread of his presence through it all, through the highs and through the lows. And what it will say is say, God, no matter where I go, you're there. (laughs) When I lie down, you're there. When I get up, you're there. When I'm in the valley, you're there. When I'm on the mountain, you're there. He's like, I was there at the beginning with you and I will be there at the end. There's not a moment of your life that his presence isn't there, whether you feel it or not. And so in the times you don't feel it, you have faith. And in the times you do feel it, you just worship and you praise and you thank him for his faithfulness. But we have to pay attention. We have to pay attention to our lives. Last one, also from Buechner. Listen to your life. See it for the fathomless mystery it is. In the boredom and pain of it, no less than in the excitement and gladness Touch, taste, smell your way to the holy and hidden heart of it. Because in the last analysis of all moments are key moments. And life itself is grace. (laughs) I love that. All moments are key moments. Even the mundane and even the mysterious ones that you don't understand how, how to make sense of it all. All moments are key moments. And life itself is grace. Even the devastating parts of life even the dark parts, actually lead us to his grace and his mercy, his reality. Um, so what I want to do is I'm gonna, I uh, want you to stand to your feet. I'm going to invite the, uh, the band back up. And I'm going to pray for us. And I want you to, we're just going to worship for a little while. We've got some time here to not rush, but it, um, we put communion at the back end just as a, a, a time of reflection. And we don't usually do this, but I'm going to encourage you this morning. Um, I'm going to encourage you, this is not a command, um, <laughs> to maybe take communion alone just so you can have some reflection on your life. Um, reflect on the year, reflect on where has God been, reflect on... Um, what he's been up to. And what I love about communion is, is it describes in the Bible Jesus' blood as like a covering for us, right? It covers everything. There's no gaps. Like his blood immerses us. That's why we get immersed in baptism because it says every part of you that was before Jesus is enveloped in his mercy and grace and compassion. There's no part that doesn't get covered. There's no part that doesn't get seen. There's no part that doesn't get honored by God. All the ugly, all the beautiful, everything you are and have and have done gets covered in his grace. And that's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. It's the best news I've ever received is that all of my existence gets lived under the watchful eye and care of a father who loves me and who has provided for me a way to be in the world, to live and to have hope, to have joy, 
and to even express my pain and bewilderment at some of the stuff in life I don't understand. He just says, don't worry, it's all covered. So this morning, as you take the bread and the cup, would you just pause and allow him to cover it? And if there's anything in your life right now that you're just like, Jesus, I need your blood to cover this because I don't have it under control. I don't understand it. Maybe this year has been the worst year of your life. I don't know. And if it's been the best year of your life, guess what? It's covered. <laughs> it's covered. Um, so we're going to worship and sing, and I, I'd encourage you to take a moment to sing for a little while before you go. There's stations in the back and in the front. I encourage you to come to the altars and kneel before God. Let him see this whole year. Bring it to him, right, as a sacrifice. So I'm going to pray. Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you for your attention to us. Thank you for the price that you paid to give us your attention. You saw us, you see us, and you came into the world died so that you might cover every piece and part of us, holy and unholy. You have gathered it all and you have covered it with your love. So this morning, Jesus, we want to honor you with our existence. We want to pay attention to the fact that we are here. We're here with you and with each other. And it matters, matters. So thank you, thank you, thank you for life in all of its glory, in all of its mess, in all of its pain, in all of its beauty. We thank you. And we ask this morning, we plead this morning that your blood, which is effective to cover all of our sins, would do that shore up all the gaps and that you would bring a safety and security to our lives knowing that we have everything we need in you and that you love us. So Holy Spirit, this morning, pour out the love of Jesus in our hearts as we take these elements, the body and the blood.